0: Hello.
1: Yo, give me a second here. Cool. Yo, what up?
0: Hey, not much. Can you hear me?
1: Uh, yeah, man. How's Perfect. it going?
0: It's going pretty well. I've been like looking at my camera, just at my hairline and thinking, where did this all go?
1: <laughs> it's well, fun. I have long hair, but you know, you end up getting the-, the Exactly. Called, like uh, golf greens or whatever there. <laughs> uh,
0: are you ready to do this?
1: Uh yeah, I was having like a little uh lighting problem because if I take if I do this zoom with the light above me, it looks like I'm like oh yeah the the white comes goes
0: like whatever yeah.
1: <laughs> so I've just got like an improvised light, but it's really really bright. So <laughs> I'm just like trying gonna try to bring it down a little bit. It's all good.
0: The, the, this show will never ever be about the video quality. Mm-hmm. It's always about the discussion.
1: See like if I sit here, oh, it makes it uh, look like. <laughs> oh, i from the heavens, so I, gotta, I can't do that. It's all good. So I'll have to, we'll have to keep it low lighting. Uh, I hope that's cool with you.
0: Absolutely fine. Uh, so I'm going to say the words theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello and welcome <laughs> to Halloween Don't Talk, Let's Talk, the sure, show I, Christopher Hoa, reconnect with both friends. And today we have the uh we're gonna say borderline bohemian uh simon albert lebrun simon welcome to the show
1: Mm. cheers hi chris uh good to good to talk to you it's been like 10 years or something oh yeah
0: go push the boundaries of 11 and yeah it's just been quite some time how are you doing today
1: good man uh i gotta say i think it's really cool that you're doing this it's almost like uh You know, we never had like a 10 year reunion for for high school or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, in many ways, this has helped, uh, I don't know, see where a few people have landed and what they're doing. So uh, kudos to you. I think it's a pretty cool idea.
0: I'm aiming to fill in some gaps. And uh, I remember at the like uh, 50 year Cameron Heights reunion, there was like discussion of like having our, our 10 year IB cohort try to get together. Obviously 2020 was not quite the year for that to happen.
1: No, yeah, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) But, uh, you know, this fills in that niche at least a little bit. Um, so yeah, there was like the closest thing that I've done to a pre-interview so far where we had a brief discussion for actually getting you onto the show. Uh, so you'd mentioned a few things, but, um, for anybody who was not privy to that conversation, um, Simon, what have you been up to these last 10 years? Uh, Um, You you, you mentioned a bunch of basically globetrotting as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, like a bit of an elevator pitch to give you the last 10 years of my life. Uh, So I I went to Carleton for a year in journalism, then went to McGill uh, for poli-sci. Like I just transferred universities, mm-hmm. so finished up a poly sci degree there, then took like a year and a half off uh went to the middle East did stuff over there um and then came back to Montreal for a bit and then moved to France, did law school in France went to Boston a couple of years ago and now i'm I'm back in paris uh, oh, wow. and, uh, that's it that's the that's the elevator pitch Perfect. Of last.
0: <laughs> um I'm gonna say this now because I'm gonna forget to say it later uh your zoom name is not your name. It is an organization of some sort. <laughs> sure. Care to speak on that at all?
1: Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I thought I would Zoom in, like it would go to my regular account. This is my uh, NGO account. Uh, so I, I'm one of the, I have two jobs. One of them is working in an NGO, and this is uh, the Zoom for the NGO, I guess. it. It. I, I checked beforehand, and it I <laughs> to in, so I don't know how Zoom just found its way back to that account. But uh here we are so yeah that's that's not my name uh <laughs> so it's it's initiatives for nuclear disarmament uh, it's sort of like a uh a, a non proliferation uh ngo where we try to talk you know publish articles and uh talk to like politicians or diplomats about um uh, moving forward with sort of the disarmament agenda uh i'm not going to get too much into it so I just <laughs> or something uh, but uh, essentially, yeah, we, we just try to you know launch relaunch I guess the multilateral process of, of disarmament, however however easy that is. <laughs>
0: gotcha. Uh, is that at all related to your your travels and no. in terms of like how you got into that uh, particular issue? Uh,
1: no. I, I got into that. So the, the travel thing was just, well, I think a lot of people these days uh, like to travel. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just one of them. <laughs> uh, and I kind of hopscotched between different universities because uh, I really liked the university life. So it was always a good excuse to find some new way to stay in university <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I ended up, uh, I ended up studying in France and while I was studying here, I took like a, I did like an internship, I guess, at this NGO a few years back. And when I came back from Boston, uh, they needed a, somebody to run a few of their projects. So they hired me. Uh, and so I'm working that job and I'm teaching at the same time. So it's, it's nice. I get to, uh, to vary the pleasures of, of <laughs> the two jobs and uh, get to limit the amount of boring time I have to deal with them.
0: Very cool. Uh, what is it that you're teaching?
1: Uh, I teach common law. so it's, I teach French students about like, Anglo-Saxon law. So like Canadian law, British law, uh, U.S. law. Basically, the difference is here it's all laws that are written in books uh, in common law countries. Uh, It's also the decisions of judges. Right. Like in the U.S., you hear about the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. When it gets a decision, that is law. Right. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. not the case are not force of law. They're just decisions. I see. That's what I teach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I teach it in English, of course, because uh, it's not really interesting to learn about uh, another country's laws. And it's not very useful if you don't actually speak the language that they're, you know, that they're in. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's <laughs> those are the jobs. Uh, it's nice. It's I, I get it, I can't complain. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm talking a lot, but uh, I guess that's that's the point.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm here to just pull pull at threads for the most part.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get that. You're doing a good job at it. Uh, I'm uh, sort of coming apart. Uh, no, I was just saying, like, I don't know. It's it's nice. It's nice to teach uh, under the current circumstances. I teach via Zoom. Uh, usually I'd have like a classroom and that's a lot more entertaining, uh, I got to say. Uh, but the students have been really good with it. I mean, they're like in dire straits right now due to the COVID and everything. Uh, to such a degree that the president just like uh, passed the law that now university students can get uh, three meals a day for one Euro each or something like that, which is like, you know, good, really good. Yeah. Anyway, they're good students. They're like, um, third year, uh, law students and first year, uh, master students in like law master students. So they're like, they're pretty motivated, which is nice. I've had earlier years and they're like, they're not that into it. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a bit tougher to teach, but, uh, I've been given a good roster this year, so I can't complain.
0: Very nice. Uh, so how has the um, the sort of adaptation to to lecturing from Zoom been for you?
1: Uh, so it was relatively smooth. We started off with like 50% uh, of the class was in class, like physically, and the other was at home. So I had like sort of this nice transition between the two where I got to understand how to do it uh, and how to how to have my class run uh, there are a few advantages um, one of them is uh, it's really easy to know who's uh, absent and who's not you don't need to read the names off you just have them right there um, also if somebody participates you have their name right there with their camera whereas like when you're in class and you have thirty students and you have six different classes so like hundred and eighty students you don't remember everybody's name yeah. so you don't know how to you know etc uh, so that's been kind of nice um, and uh, I guess, I don't know, I, there's nothing else that's really been great about teaching guys. <laughs> I, I'm, I live right next to the university, so I don't even have oh, wow. <laughs> the whole travel, uh, like less the time save, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it has allowed me to, like, I've been, I just came back to Paris, but I've been living on the, uh, on the seaside of France uh, for most of the lockdown, the last lockdown, uh, and just working from there. So that's been, you know, I can't complain. Again, yeah. uh, I've had have it really really good um so there you have it <laughs> but anyway I don't know man how about you like we were talking a bit about your uh your insurance job uh, yep. at, uh in Waterloo what's the name of the uh, of the company by the way because I gotta ask my brother it might be the same one
0: Oh, uh, it's Allianz
1: Allianz do you mind is there any way you send that to me like on Facebook just the, the- yeah I for guess. sure
0: That's um but, but yeah, it's basically like a, the the Canadian branch of like a multinational German like financial asset management insurance company.
1: Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if that's the one that my brother worked for, but he did work for an insurance company, uh, like a big insurance company <laughs> in Waterloo. I'll have to ask anyway. How, <laughs> uh,
0: so I've been there since I graduated university in the, uh, so I think my start date was like November, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um. Starting off in the mailroom just to get a job at the time, and it's very much been like a sort of uh, like like work to live type of scenario.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there, there have been times where like there's a new project or initiative happening where I became like the subject matter for like the the mailroom staff, and that was that experience has been more uh, I guess enjoyable as like a, a workplace environment than like the regular sort of day to day tasks. Uh, just because it was like a, a new shock to the system, and I got to work with a bunch of different people. Uh, the one thing that I learned kind of quickly is that you know I, I thrive most in a team environment um, rather than just like here's your work just just get it done. Like the more I can
1: uh,
0: connect with other people, the better.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm I don't really get to work in teams. Both my jobs are like very solo, do your thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's true that you have to kind of. You got to kick your ass to to get things going. I feel like working in a team, you get that drive. Like everybody's working for a common purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Just building each other up. And and sometimes you just kind of, e- e- in my mind, there are certain things like shared tasks, which is like, okay, I could, I could just like strive to be better than someone else. I'm, I don't have like the biggest competitive drive, but sometimes I'll make things unnecessarily competitive. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my numbers are higher.
1: <laughs> That's from That's, all the video games for sure. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not that uh competitive uh in most of the things I do. I just I don't know, I enjoy doing them like we were talking a bit about uh about chess <laughs> and it's the thing it's a highly competitive game, right? But uh, I just enjoy the the movements, I guess. So I ended up playing I ended up playing against the computer like 90% of my games. And then if I if I'm in real life with somebody who's like, "Hey, want to play chess?" then I'll have fun playing chess against them. But <laughs> uh I don't really play others online, for example. I don't oh, yeah. get a score or anything like that.
0: Uh, so you mentioned that you were uh, s- sort of one of the driving factors behind your your international travels was uh, that sort of university life. Um, I guess in your first year at Carleton was, I guess, the, the sort of seed of that. Um, how, how, what was it about that first year that made you like want to do more of that?
1: Well, so I got into Carleton because I really wanted to do journalism at the time. Um, so like, uh, yeah, so I, I heard Carleton was a good university and I went there for it. Uh, turns out I, I loved every class I took except for the journalism class. <laughs> uh, I feel like we spent the entire year learning about why journalism was a dead profession uh, and not like the
0: greatest pitch for, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like doing exercises to prove to us that like journalism was dying and showing us like, so this is how much we lost during the 2009 crisis more proportionally than any other industry. Like, <laughs> okay, great. Like, you know, uh, it was, it was, yeah, not, it didn't, didn't inspire much, uh, confidence in, in the future of journalism. So, um, I reoriented and I went to, to McGill, Carlton was basically a year of studying the stuff that I liked not studying journalism and and dropping out of journalism right at the end of the year so it wasn't calculated in my average and I could hopscotch <laughs> um, and uh, and just making really good friends like lifelong friends uh, and so I don't know Ottawa also um, also it's it's a nice city I feel like it's not it's not my kind of city it's a bit a bit too bureaucratic I guess is the term Um, so I went to Montreal instead uh, met up with uh, Henry and Andrew and a bunch of other people from high school actually who had uh, sort of taken like a what are they called like a victory lap or (laughs) a fifth year uh, and who ended up you know being at uni at the same time as me so I was lucky because they were all in residence and I was just arriving. Uh, I yep. had my own apartment, but I kind of got a second, first year of university, <laughs> which, you know, pretty awesome. What's
0: some familiar faces too, to boot.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. There was like nobody from CHCI at uh, Carleton that I remember really, I don't know, maybe they were one or one or two, but um, there were definitely a lot of them at McGill. Um, so that was cool. And I've, I've stayed in, I've stayed friends and in contact with, uh, with a few of them um, Actually had uh, Samuel Whitblad uh, came uh-huh. over here. Uh, he came over here, we went to the, we went to the seaside the, the, my fam- where, where my family's from, uh, and he spent like a couple of weeks. It's pretty awesome. but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, about the traveling, um, I guess, yeah, after that, I was like addicted to the university vibe, uh, and I finished McGill, and then, I don't know, I guess thought I could make it out in the real world. uh Uh, but it turned out uh the real world is pretty rough uh so uh yeah so i went to visit my family they were living in dubai at the time uh and so i just went to stay with them for a little bit and then um and then went to like uh jordan and uh oman and like a bunch of a bunch of places uh just traveling i don't know middle east is really cool especially that gulf area i don't know it's really nice it's so there's so many things like it's kind of crazy. You've got Dubai, that's just this like shining city in the middle mm-hmm. of the desert, and you drive two hours out to Oman, and you feel like you're in, you know, the Middle East, like proper. With yeah. like, you feel like you're more like in Morocco, or I, I'm not going to say Afghanistan because Oman is like, you know, well, you know, well preserved and everything, mm-hmm. um, but uh, more, but definitely more of a of an Arab vibe. Um, so I don't know. It was really cool to just to just move around there, do some volunteering. And then I kind of got fed up with it. Went back to Montreal. Tried to work. Worked at Bank of Montreal for like a year. Uh, not a year. Less than a year. The worst job ever. Oh, wow. uh, call center, Bank of Montreal.
0: Oh yeah, call, call center work is. Oh. It's it's probably one of the. It was the, the most thankless jobs
1: there are. Dude, I've I've th- these last ten years. That year in Montreal, that year and a half was just like the most hellish thing I was just was <laughs> running around trying to find jobs to pay for rent and just like, Oh God, I, I did. Yeah, I did. You could, you know, name it and I've probably done it for at least a week or two. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, that was pretty rough. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, screw this. Uh, I gotta, I gotta do, uh, do something better here. So I, I moved to France and well, essentially I wanted to do law school. Um, <laughs> And I realized Canada was like, you know, whatever, 20 grand or something. Uh, US was just like, okay, not not going to happen. Uh, the UK was a bit more reasonable. But in France, it's like 200, 300 euros a year. Oh, wow. Uh, and like, it's a different setup. Like, um, you go to law school right after high school. You don't have to do like a bachelor's before. <laughs> um, so I, seeing as I had a bachelor's, they were going to allow me to come in straight into like second year of law school. So I I came into second year of law school, having not studied in French for like ever. (laughs) ever. (laughs) Uh, So, and it was, it was pretty rough. I think it's like 60% failure rate every year.
0: That's decently steep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Uh, But so, so then, so yeah, so I did law school and that's why I came to Paris And then I had the opportunity to go to Boston for a year to do an LLM, which is like a master's, I guess. Um, And again, I paid French fees to go to Boston, which is like, Boston is like 75 grand a year. Yeah, that's a a bit of a steal. (laughs) Yeah, I paid 200 bucks. uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And it was an extra, it was like another first year of university because it's just like an exchange, right? So (laughs) you you just party for a year. So that was fun. And then now I'm back in Paris. Wonderful. There you go. That's Again, that's a bit more of a a broken elevator pitch. (laughs) Uh,
0: So I guess um, pushing forward to something a bit more recent, uh, you mentioned that, you know, how your job has been affected by lockdown. Um, How's your life outside of work been affected by the, uh, by the pandemic? Uh,
1: Well, um, I don't know. It's been, so the pandemic, when it started here uh, last year, I basically just, chilled in my apartment for like two months, basically. <laughs> and uh, basically the, yeah, I don't know. I was sort of on kind of like low battery modes just hanging around, uh, kicking about, not doing much. Uh, and then, so, I, I mean, I was, it was, it was like a, it was a nice time as well, in a sense, because it was sort of like a, a good time to, I guess, not, I don't want to say like meditate, but I guess spend some time, you know, just thinking and just taking a step away from all this busy, busy life. Cause I got to say Paris is like in regular times, it's just it's wild. There's always shit going down everywhere. So uh, it was nice to take a bit of a to take a bit of a step back. Um, and then the summer was normal. There was not not really that much uh, changed. Uh, but this second time around since the summer, um, basically, I left Paris. I've been living more in Brittany, which is like the, the seaside um, mm-hmm. on the western coast there. Uh, I've been living there more than I have been living in Paris. Uh, my girlfriend has a uh, family house there. So we just kind of chilled out over there. <laughs> so I guess that's how it's been affected. I gotta say also Paris without the bars and without the museums and without the
0: anything outside for the, yeah, most part. the
1: nightlife, everything. It just, it kind of kills the city, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love this place. I love being here. Um, when in, in normal times, I, I love my apartment, I guess I super chill. I don't know. I, it's like my space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do love to come back to it. I'm not, I'm not mad to leave it and to go chill by the, by I <laughs> uh, didn't go to the marketplace uh, on Saturdays and I don't know, go, go swimming on new years, even though it's like freezing or something like that. I don't know. Do, you know, walk around, uh, there's a lot more, a lot more room to, to move your legs. Uh, so I don't know. I, there's like there's been a thing about um, I think it was during the first lockdown there's like a, a sentence by uh, I think it's Machiavelli that's like uh, if you if if there's something happening to you that uh, you cannot change that you can't you can't do anything about um, you have to want it uh, so the idea is like if you're in lockdown and you can't go outside and there's nothing you can do about it then you have to be like oh dope, this is the situation I wanted to happen and you have to find uh- re- have like wanted that situation, you know. So I spent a lot of time, you know, reading a bunch of the books I hadn't read, and I wanted to catch up on watching old movies that I hadn't seen, like classics like The Shining or stuff like that. That you know, The Shining, who hasn't seen The Shining? Well, <laughs> or lockdown. So uh, you know, so I, I've been kind of trying to live with with that mentality, I guess, when it comes to uh, getting hit with with lockdown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a it's a
0: solid mentality to have, um, just like sort of reframing. What may be viewed as a problem by some people into something that is, you know, like an opportunity of sorts.
1: Right. It's the kind of the, uh, it's a more optimistic version of uh, chaos is a ladder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, is it Littlefinger.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So in our pre interview, you also mentioned that you were do that you had picked up uh, some woodworking, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. Uh, just, just like machine woodworking, are you like whittling things? so what are we talking here
1: yeah basically um i i when i was during the end of the first lockdown i went to Brittany, and uh my grandfather uh, had a has a shed uh and in it had a whole bunch of these old tools to to woodwork so i started with you know just all the manual stuff um and i started making i made like a little uh, like a little penguin and like uh, i made a, a little uh, uh, ring i don't know if it's very cool. visible yeah an olive wood ring it's just uh, you know it's just comfortable whatever uh and uh and then i got got yeah i ended up getting quite into it and my uncle lent me this uh, little machine which i ended up buying which is like a, a dremel i don't know mm-hmm. a trademark you know <laughs> uh you know uh click on the sponsor link below but uh, i don't know what the name would be if, other than the, the the brand so it's just this like it looks like a little electric toothbrush almost but it spins uh and you can kind of sand yeah, uh, different projects down. So I'm I'm working on a um on a chess board right now, but it's or rather a chess set. It's taken forever. Uh so, <laughs> you know, there are there are a lot of pieces, a lot of little angles to carve out. So yeah, but it's been it's been fun. It's it definitely gives me something to do. It's a nice hobby. Uh, it's not much, but it's honest work. Uh uh, I don't know. And, and the problem is in Paris, it's going to be a bit more difficult to, to do that because I, I do have a terrace, but I don't want to like rain sawdust on yeah. the people. Beneath us. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I might buy like a little vacuum that just like immediately vacuums the sawdust as I go. Uh, but it's, it's something that I'd love to do in the summer. Like in the summer, I would just sit in the garden at, in Brittany. Just, you know, you could do that for hours. So
0: nice. Uh,
1: so, yeah. It's been, it's been a, a nice little hobby to pick up. I guess <laughs> it's pretty cheap too. Buy some wood, buy like three tools, and you can do some fun stuff.
0: And you had also mentioned that you were playing a bit of chess versus AI. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how how part- are you particularly like involved in your in your think process for chess, or is it just like we're gonna just play some like YOLO moves, and then like once we get past like the sort of opening beginning stage of the game, well we'll we'll think a bit harder.
1: Um, So it depends what mood I'm in. I guess there are times where I'm just like, hey, let's just uh, see what we can do against this, this level computer or something. And uh, I'll I'll like, you know, really get down into it and try to think about the different moves each one before I do it and and try to have some kind of plans of attack or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are other times where I'm just like, I wanted to test something out, you know, like, uh, I've been thinking about a certain sequence and I'm like, okay, well, let's see, let's see what this turns into. And I'll just get like, absolutely wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do that sequence. Okay. Um, so it, it really, yeah, I guess it depends on the mood. Um, also it's, it's something that I do on a sort of on my downtime. So if I'm like, uh, I don't know, I guess it's the morning and I'm just ha- having a slow time waking up, I'll watch like a chess video or something. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, mator which is like um, chess commentator or whatever you want to call it. And uh, otherwise just play on my phone and listen to music or something. So it's, it's very, it's like a laid back thing. It's almost like, yeah, again, I, I don't like the word meditative, but it is in a sense. It's,
0: it's, a, it's a relaxing activity.
1: Sure. Uh, but it's it's weird though, because then when, as soon as you play with somebody, like face to face with like uh, somebody like a friend or something, it immediately takes on like a whole, other <laughs> thing. uh, where there's, you know, there's a question almost of ego as a part of it. Uh, there's a thing like if you're really, if you're better than them, like clearly better than them, and you're just tearing their board apart, even if they're like a really good friend, it's kind of, it kind of hurts. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel, I feel a little bad or vice versa. I'm sure if, if that were to happen, but there's definitely like a more intense, uh, I don't know, intense game at play when you yeah. play chess in, in real life.
0: It's like the 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 stakes at play are whether or not we're gonna to continue to be friends after this.
1: Yeah, 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so you have to I don't know. I play I play with my girlfriend sometimes and she hasn't won yet. And so I but she's getting better. She's getting better. <laughs> Good moves on me. So uh but the day she'll win against me will be like a, you know a happy day. I'm not gonna let her win. You know? Of course not.
0: You can't you can't do that.
1: I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Even though I feel like it should it would make her very happy, I'm sure. But <laughs> you can't do it. It's not right. It's not yeah. Right.
0: It, 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 it'll be it would be dishonest to do so. It, it it must be an earned an earned victory.
1: Right. Well she's pretty competitive. So it's all,
0: it's all the sweeter that way.
1: Yep. But um I do I gotta say uh, back to the whole traveling thing. I think that's probably the number one thing I miss right now. Is being I, able to go you, anywhere?
0: Yeah you did know. you ha- did you have any particular plans? I got canceled because of COVID last year.
1: Mm, not particularly. Yeah. I mean, I had I had in mind to go to like you know France is the nice thing about Europe is all the there are no borders and you can just <laughs> hop on a train and in a few hours you're anywhere. Um, I think there was there was a bit of a plan to like uh, meet up again with Sam with Vlad. Uh There was a bit of a plan to I wanted to go east maybe even, well, we wanted to go to Morocco recently, but mm. uh, again, it was made impossible. Yeah. Uh, but there was nothing in, nothing in in like, you know, nothing in particular. I had a cousin, uh, he had like a whole, he'd been like saving up, et cetera. He was going for a trip around the world on a uh, on a sailboat, like a, where he's working as part of the crew mm. and that would go down all the way to like Antarctica. Um, and he was like super psyched and he had quit his job and he left oh, to france and then it hit and he got stuck at his parents place and it's just oh man brutal lucky yeah really unlucky so
0: yeah you know. uh so so as a man who has been about the globe um have you been able to suddenly like sort of maintain relationships with the people from various nations or has it just kind of been like uh you know because of distance uh impairing things somewhat uh, just like a focus on the, th- those that are closest to you? Uh,
1: it's, that's a good question. I mean, it depends on the country. It depends on the time that I spent there, like how much time I spent there. Um, some friends have sort of carried through uh, beyond. like in, in a sense it was like, Oh, you live there now. Hey, I'll come visit. Or like, and and vice versa, you know, <laughs> or, Hey, we're like, you know, both in different countries, but right in the middle of us, there's this other country we could go visit together. Uh, so I've I've managed to stay f- to stay in contact. I've I've made some decent efforts actually to stay in contact with some of the people from Cameron Heights, like uh, William McLeish, um, Connor Paddock. Uh, I came back to KW actually what was it uh, a few years ago. My brother, uh, my little brother, lives in Toronto, um, and my older brother lives in BC. So uh, I go back every once in a while. And uh, I yeah, I still get to hang out with some of them. I saw Duncan uh, last time I came over. Uh, yeah, I don't know, a bunch of those guys. Uh, I haven't seen John Martin in like God knows. <laughs> but uh, it'd be fun. I was actually, I mean, I would have been i would have been happy to do some kind of a 10-year reunion, see where, you know, where everybody's at. Uh, high school seems like those days were so, those memories are still so vivid, mm-hmm. you know, it was like 10 years ago.
0: Some real, some real formative years in that, in that school.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Fucking CHCI. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of shenanigans. I was remembering like, I don't know, all the, and, and it's fun to also meet up with friends from Cameron Heights. Cause we'll just sit down and we'll go through all the different situations we had gone into. that <laughs> We hadn't talked about, or we didn't really iron out, but it's 10 years later, so you can say whatever you didn't say at the time or whatever. <laughs> consequences obviously you're just uh, dumb teenagers Um, but uh, you know and there's so much cringe as well (laughs) about a bunch of the stuff that I said or did and I'm just like oh, you know one of those walking down the street oh I I remember I did that in high school you just want to jump in front of a bus or something you know
0: (laughs) it was it was funny at the time what can be said
1: sure sure (laughs) or at least we we tried to have as much fun as we could (laughs) But uh, I lived so far away too. I was in Cambridge, right? Mm-hmm. Like not uh, like that's a half, more than a half an hour bus ride every morning uh, on the city transit, right? Ainsley Street Terminal. But it, a lot has changed. So much has changed. Uh there's oh, like yeah, a, we
0: have like actual infrastructure for public transport now. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. that's
1: crazy. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I cannot believe that. I remember hearing about light rail construction so long ago and being like, oh, it's going to take ten years to do. We'll mm-hmm. never see this." And here we are, ten years later, and we saw we've seen the end of it now. Uh, I got to go back. I got to go back and check it out. Uh, It was just I think it was just finishing up uh, when I last time I came over. Trying to think when that was. I think it it may have been like uh, yeah, two three years ago. Yeah, because I lived in I lived in Montreal over the summer two three years ago uh, before moving to Boston. So I must have gone down at that time. So, anyways, three years ago it was done, right? The rail.
0: Uh, Yeah, I want to say like either. 2018 or 2019 is when it finished.
1: Uh, I was like, Close. the summer. Ah, yeah, they were running empty ones.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah. to make sure that they were a functional and b people weren't gonna just collide with them Uh and like giving the the public time to adapt. Now, naturally, the public didn't adapt particularly well. There were accidents all the goddamn time, but uh it's gotten better, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I want to do it. I want to go back and just take that. Yeah, you know, take that. <laughs> Just
0: like all that. the way from all the way from Fairview to Conestoga, just ride the yeah, just ride see, the loop.
1: Let it be. I, I, you know, the day that they, I was, we were a little angry as uh, what is it, Cambridgeians? I, I don't know what the name is. Um, because Cambridge, as being part of the tri city, ended up paying for part of that rail, mm-hmm. uh, and the rail doesn't make it to Cambridge. So, yeah. uh, that's
0: yeah. a that that's a air quotes phase two. Uh, Adaptation. So I have no idea what the progress is on that at the time, but uh, I, I saw everybody, some. I saw some plans. Everybody
1: knew, everybody knew what progress, what the progress was when it was in kitchen or water. Oh League. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We we'll do with that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, the and like the food culture in the in the region has like expanded considerably in the last while as well. So if you ever do come back, we can uh, we can definitely hit up some spots.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds good. With pleasure. I don't know who else, uh, who else have I seen from high school? I saw Julia in Paris. Hmm. Yeah. She's,
0: she's done quite a bit of traveling. I don't actively, uh, message her that often, but every time I do, there's like a a solid conversation that happens and yeah, she's, she's done quite a bit of traveling herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was I was living in the sixth at the time. Tara Campbell was living in Paris for a while as well. Mm. We used a bit. Uh, she's moved back now to Canada, I believe. Uh, I saw Eugenia. I'm trying to think of what else I've seen in the last ten years. Uh, yeah, Will Connor. I, I feel like I've. Oh, I saw I saw Fitzsim. Um, I saw Fitzsim a little while back. I went to uh, I went to his house, I believe. Oh. Uh, we were at a house party. <clears throat> that was when my brother got married, which was like, that was like three years ago or something, three or four years ago. Um, so I don't know. That was fun. It was fun. It was good to see Fitzsim again. Uh, he and I used to be, we would get up to no good <laughs> with a bunch of shenanigans. And uh, it's nice to see uh, where he is now. He's in, he looks like he's in a really great place. So, you know, kudos. Oh yeah,
0: he's, he's out here doing some fantastic work
1: yeah 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 i see the updates on facebook and i'm like i, I know that guy we used to get up the I, have
0: the, I have the exact same way except without the uh the sort of shared history
1: hmm. remember we used to go to play pool like i think it was every friday at the hoothers and uh, somehow get drinks uh even though we were way underage uh so that was <laughs> you know, like, such an adult goddamn. Um, oh no but uh, it's one of those things like uh, you know the the rush disappeared of oh, we got booze boys like uh, you know I, you couldn't buy it back in the day yeah. now you just well fucking buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: it, it it's lost a little bit of its luster now mm-hmm. that's not this uh this law violating act
1: yeah i feel like in canada that that kind of happened with uh weed as well where like weed was kind of this well it was illegal mm-hmm. so Smoking it, you know, you were kind of this badass, kind of yeah. immediately this kind of yeah, vibe to it. But now that it's legal, I feel like, you, you know, 30-year-old engineers are just off and down <laughs> with their local week. And now for. just kind
0: of whatever. It's like, yeah, that's cool, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel like everybody's, yeah, everybody's taking it easy. So <clears throat> it has lost a bit of its edge, you know, weed. <laughs> uh France is weird for that they um it's the country that punishes it the it has the strongest uh restrictions on it basically really? in Europe uh, and yet we're like the second biggest smokers after Spain uh, so it, uh, it doesn't make any sense uh, <laughs> but anyway hopefully one day you know it's legalized everywhere I, i'm not going to get into that too much but i think it's silly that it is and i uh, really it's one of the things that's that's lovely about canada mm-hmm. The legality. Although Boston, it was pretty cool as well. It's kind of crazy in the US how uh, they can't, I mean, in certain states, they can't uh, put, you know, store the money that they make from the weed inside uh, regular banks because there's a federal tax on it and you can't pay federal tax because it's a illegal substance at the federal level or something like that. Did not
0: know about that.
1: Uh, Yeah. So like the dispensary in uh, Massachusetts in Boston was in an old uh, bank. And they had like, like, a, it looked like a, you know, Dillinger, like 1930s bank with the little green lights and everything and the giant vault and they kept all of their cash <laughs> in the vault. And there were always like armed uh, security There were always two cop cars outside. Like, uh, I mean, it would be the perfect target, right? Yeah, but for you, sure. You can put the profits you make from cannabis uh, sales into the bank, which is.
0: That's so weird. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, they literally, if you want to pay with your card, they have a system, so you swipe, and it essentially goes straight to an ATM that they have with a bunch of cash in it. And the money comes out, and they take the money, and they put it in the, in the, in the, in the bank, so in their own little cell. It's it's wild. But uh, Canada seems to have found the the right way to go about it. Um,
0: uh, so, so with your experience in law, and like, Uh, with the quirk you just mentioned are there any other particular like quirks about law or the legal system or the judicial system that stick out in your mind
1: oh like which one like French Canadian Uh,
0: any anywhere um
1: I don't know there's so much that just just weird (laughs) weird laws or weird coincidences or that sort of thing um i mean i do find it strange i guess that's a bit of a french in me that you, you still need to get the queen's approval in canada to do certain things in parliament like if you want to prorogue parliament like put parliament on pause you have to ask queen and she'll she'll rubber stamp it <laughs> but like okay you still have to ask this decrepit old woman her opinion on the matter like okay come on guys uh, i don't know there's there's a few weird things, I guess, with common law where you see this uh either this this strong attachment to the monarchy or the strong, you know, rebuke uh like the US, which is like starts off with freedom of religion and then second second one straight away, right to have weapons uh, yeah. and militias and you know, mess up anybody that tries to become a tyrant. I don't know, the US. Okay, I, I can think of a few, I mean random quirks if you want. Um one of them, like you know, Washington D.C., so that's not a state. Correct. Uh, right. Not a state and, yet.
0: There's uh, there, there's some plans. Hopefully, um, yeah, some people are putting it, forward, but for the time it, being,
1: it's it's a bit weird then because you know they have like a whole their whole own system of representation within within D.C. with regards to like congresswoman and congressmen actually being the representatives for D.C. Um, but that also means that things like the Fourteenth Amendment which is the one that basically says, you know, all people are equal and uh, please stop slavery and all that stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) and stop the segregation of uh, African-Americans. The 14th amendment applies only to the states. It literally says all states shall. Uh, And so there's like a few problems because in the 14th amendment you have due process Mm -hmm. and it's from due process that you get things like the right to privacy, the right to uh, have an abortion, gay marriage, like all the new rights that have come out have come out of that so technically none of that applies to uh, washington dc although of course the courts found some kind of you know go <laughs> in order to say yeah, yeah yeah sure sure it applies it applies but uh they essentially ripped off a piece of like another amendment the fifth amendment which is about criminal law and there's in there there's the words due process so they're like oh it's the same due process <laughs> so that, that that sticks because the fifth does apply to washington dc the US is weird. I mean, we're talking about weed and uh, prohibition essentially mm-hmm. of cannabis in, in Canada or in France now. It was in their constitution. It was it in their it. freaking constitution that alcohol was illegal, right? Like in the nineteen thirties and everything, the whole prohibition. That was a. that was the was it the nineteenth amendment or something like that? Mm-hmm. And or the twenty first. I um I forget now on the moment. But Somewhere here, in there. there a beer and, and others uh, a little later. I'm, I'm uh, trying to trying to find it now, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was a constitutional amendment. So at the same level as they had a right to freedom of religion, they had, you know, a restriction on alcohol. Uh, you know, the U.S. is so bizarre, so weird the way they do things.
0: Definitely a peculiar nation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of other peculiarities. I guess the, the, the vice presidency is a weird position right like they're part of the executive branch but they're also part of the legislative branch because mm-hmm. they like kamala harris is voting and set in the senate right now
0: yeah she's sure. tiebreakers.
1: yeah she's the tiebreaker so she has like she's a you know she has a foot in both the executive and the legislative branch i don't know that's that's like a very strange thing.
0: kind of messes up the whole checks and balances system then yeah if, if it you really the want. foundation for their their three branches
1: yeah yeah if the vice should- re- Wanted to. I guess that's kind of what Cheney did. Kind of just you know, made his own branch of government in a way.
0: <laughs> they should put more emphasis, emphasis on the vice part, you know, just just get out there and get absolutely blitzed. Just binge yeah. alcohol.
1: <laughs> the vice yeah. president. That would be pretty cool, actually. <laughs> that would be down, sign me up for vice president. <laughs> the position of the heathen. You know, he <laughs> the hedonist in government, the hedonist in chief. Here's my advice, President. <laughs> you take care of all the casinos. You take care of all the... <laughs> uh,
0: so Simon, what is something that that people who know you would be surprised to find out about you today? Mm. Or, or, or do you think you've lived life pretty much, I guess, somewhat expectedly to what other people may have characterized you?
1: I feel like uh, considering all the stereotypes and cliches I was thrown at when I was in CHCI, I've pretty much lived up to most of them. <laughs> I'm like still- you, you,
0: you did wind up in Paris, so yeah, yeah. There, there's, only, there's only so many branches off of that.
1: Quote unquote, super French. Uh, I don't know. I guess I lived up to most of those expectations. <laughs> if they were. If it's living up to them or down to them, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I definitely lived up to a few of them. Um, something about me that would surprise others. Uh, I guess that I have a girlfriend, uh, <laughs> I'm quite uh, angry. I think at, uh, most girls, uh, I just get, just, I couldn't get my head around them, uh, back at CHCI. So I was kind of the, you know, I was a bit of a jerk. I think, uh, with girls, uh, I think I had a rule with like, I can't date a girl for more than two months. And I believe I broke up with a girl because of that. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Cool. Um, uh, with uh, Shaddy Garris, if you remember Shaddy. Uh, yeah. I don't like, I didn't I didn't ask him to do this anyway, and it made the breakup a lot more difficult, but he literally <laughs> stood uh, maybe two, three meters behind the girl as I was breaking up with her, and he took an empty trash can, and he was doing this in the, <laughs> as I'm looking at the girl, and I'm trying not to laugh, and I feel cruel, and, and trying not to laugh at the same time. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so I feel like I've got, <laughs> come a long way in that sense you're
0: you're you're reformed
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i'm reformed
0: uh, uh I, h- how did you meet your current girlfriend
1: with my girlfriend um so uh actually we were working in the ngo together uh, that this uh, zoom account is using um mm-hmm. But anyway we we were we were interns together like four years ago or something and uh, just met once uh, like had a meal once with the, the head of the NGO and then a couple of years ago there was like a, another sort of a youth conference thing uh more like a just like come over to this guy's house uh who runs the NGO and have some drinks and cheese and let's talk very very French uh again
0: it's a, you know. it's a good business style
1: <laughs> um and then uh, I guess we just ended up meeting up at a few of these conferences and things. And then we were sent to uh, Switzerland together on a, like a, to go to this conference uh, about peace, uh, I guess. Yeah, peace. <laughs> and uh, we ended up, yeah, so we went to this conference together. And I guess it started up there. That was pretty cool, I guess. Expensive, but nice. Cool. So that should be their tourist slogan. <laughs> Better. But nice. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, that's how we met. And it uh, turns out she's from like the same place as uh, my, my mother's side of the family, which is from the west coast of France. And uh, yeah, we went, we've been hanging out ever since. Um, it's been, it works pretty well. So, I'm not going to change things.
0: Sounds lovely. Yeah, she's pretty
1: cool. <laughs> I got to say. Uh, and I guess we've had like similar pasts because she's done a lot of traveling as well. Uh, more on the other side of the hemisphere she 's more been to like Brazil and australia and uh, I've been more to the nordic countries like she's uh, i think she 's probably traveled more than i have uh, but different very different styles <laughs> and more of the uh, i guess backpack hitchhike uh, kind of travel she's more of the well <laughs> the hotel kind of travel' yeah, which is-
0: like resort life just get just be pampered for uh for a week or so
1: yeah yeah we did we did a a little um we we crossed uh france this summer to go from the sea to the to the mountains uh and then to the place in the south of france but uh so you know it was lovely we got to go into these all these different airbnbs and and hotels and whatnot i had never really traveled like that before which was uh nice i'm more of a go to hostels Yeah, yeah and uh yeah that, that, i guess Co- cost
0: effective traveling <laughs> For sure
1: yeah go to friends houses uh go to hostels go camping if you want to you know that sort of thing uh but it's it's nice as well you know it's um it adds a certain amount of comfort Character. Oh, Com- gotcha. <laughs> no, they're doing it her way it Adds a certain oh, Gotcha, gotcha. Of, i'm not going to being the complete uh you know he didn't, again that word but uh being the complete heathen that i am um uh, I can't, uh, I can't complain when I'm waking up in a hotel rather than like a, a eight person dorm <laughs> in, in this you know, the underground of some Amsterdam, uh, <laughs> Amsterdam hostel. Uh,
0: did you have any other questions for me or did you have anything that you wanted to share uh, coming into this?
1: Yeah, I had a question for you. Uh, this may be a bit more of a, like a, 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 a straightforward one, I guess. Um, I've been playing a lot of total war recently, uh, mm. but it's like Rome total war. Yep. And I have not touched any of the other games in that saga uh, knowing your uh, affinity your wisdom and expertise in this matter um, I don't know if you would have any recommendations maybe other games even that are sort of similar to that because it's it's been a uh, woodworking has been fun uh, you know I still write a bit and now I've been kind of addicted to this uh, to this Rome Total War kind of strategy
0: yeah. um I think everything in the sort of total war series has been like pretty well received critically. Uh, the, the the sort of solo strategy game is not one that I've delved into particularly uh, like too much. Um, so unfortunately, I, don't, I I can't advise much further that, than that. Uh, I've seen a bunch of friends play like Attila or whatever. Um, so you know, give that a shot, I guess.
1: Okay, and then okay, follow up question then, sure. Um, do you have any recommendations for games that you have played and that you really liked uh, that I could operate on a like Windows Surface? Because uh, I'm, yeah, I'm so behind on video games, dude. Like, I, <laughs> you know, so in high school, like Halo, and uh, I even went to a LAN party at Marco <laughs> Pagliacci's once. Yep. Uh, like I, I was, re- I really liked video games back then, and I didn't just didn't touch it for like yeah, for like so long. And now I'm trying to get back into it because it's a great past. Um, so if you have any, uh, if you have any recommendations that can run on a Windows surface,
0: gotcha. Uh, so thinking about like the technical limitations, I like, I I myself am a big fan of like sort of um like any sort of card based deck building type of like rogue like game. Um, so there's a few in that genre. Uh, like Slay the Spire is one that stands out to me, as well as uh, Griff Lands and uh, Monster Train. Um, those those three should lend themselves well to like your 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 uh i guess penchant for for strategic thinking um i have a friend who played world of warcraft on a surface for a while but i wouldn't recommend that in any way for for anybody at this point um yeah i'm not sure if hades is going to run on a surface but if if that does indeed work, then I would absolutely suggest playing Hades, probably like my standout game of 2020. Um, cool. Yeah.
1: Cool. I will look into it. Very much looking forward to it. I hope I can run it. I've been able to run some pretty pretty uh, big games on this, like um, you, uh, is it Europa Universalis? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, that's a pretty big game, I think. Oh, yeah. and, and it ran totally smoothly. So
0: oh, yeah. I, I believe in that little... <laughs> I believe in the surface. It's it's surprisingly uh, powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is my second one. The first one just inexplicably died on me, and the hard drive apparently was just eating itself from the inside. So, Mm. uh, you know, that's that's a problem. Um, But uh, it worked fine up until the very moment where it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was playing a YouTube video, and it got stuck on one note. So it was just like all of a sudden, it's like,
0: like oh yeah, really loud. I, and, I, ha- uh, I have a laptop that succumbed to the same sort of uh, same sort of fate. Yeah, it yeah, is not pleasant to hear.
1: Down and you're just like my my don't <laughs> die. And you run to the tech store like save it, you know, <laughs> screaming down the street. They managed to save most of my files. So that was cool, but uh, the rest of it had to be basically torn apart for pieces. Uh, and I just—I went to the Windows Store, and it was like, "Oh, it's uh, it's Valentine's Day, so we're having a special on computers." I'm like, "Who the hell is buying a <laughs> $600 computer for their girlfriend on Valentine's Day?" No, or no, like, no, you
0: don't understand. This is for the this is for the people who don't have girlfriends. They needed they needed a break today,
1: so we're giving it to them. Fair point. This was—I remember this was at the time that Apex Legends had just recently come yeah. out. And, Boy, was that getting a lot, of, uh, a lot of attention. But man, that's a really cool game. One of my roommates played that and it felt so, I don't know, epic. And like every game I felt like it was really, I, I could watch that guy play for hours, just like munching on popcorn and, oh, and yeah. be
0: the, the, the sort of battle royale genre outside of like, um, I guess the sort of intricacies of like inventory management, when you boil it down, it's just like, okay, it, it's very easy to follow as a spectator, which is like, okay, dude kills other people and straps to be the last person standing. Hmm. Easy, easy, easy watching, and then you watch like competitive Fortnite or something, and it's like, okay, this is like they're constructing this tower, and I don't understand how.
1: Yeah, they're like spinning in every direction. And uh, like I think movement. Maybe build a little bit and then shoot each other. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to build the equivalent of the, the Empire State Building in like two point five seconds, and uh, we'll be at the top shooting at each other until we reach the sky, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a wild game. Uh, I never, I never could get back into the shooter game. I've never been. I, I, I played Halo uh, when I was in high school, and I loved it. And I feel like I was pretty decent in Halo, Halo Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Halo Three came out. I felt like a, it was really bulky uh, and the way that you moved around. Felt like you weren't a person anymore. It's like you're a machine. It's like, vrr, vrr. There's no more sounds of steps. Even I think it was. Just I don't know. and i can never get back into a shooter so maybe one day i'll, I'll find a shooter that i like. i tried apex legends and mm-hmm. i just had fun just flying around with, or ziplining around with the, the robot oh yeah over. the
0: what was it pathfinder yeah a lot of those lines yeah
1: uh, but i was never very good
0: uh, yeah the, the the battle royale shooter genre is one that i've like tried a couple times but i always just feel like my my aim is not there quite in the same way that is for like a, a more tactical shooter like um like Valorant or Counter Strike, where it's just like there there's so many more opponents to deal with that I will just get caught by someone with my back turned to them as like okay well now I'm just done and then I gotta go to the it's a it's a, it's a harder loss
1: definitely definitely you know I think I remember actually playing uh, Counter Strike. Uh, against you and a bunch of the people at...
0: At that game, land at Marcos probably, yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I had never played, and I was just terrible. I was just so <laughs> awful. At every game you guys played, I was, the StarCraft, I was so awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I got, like, one killing spree with a shotgun one time. I was pretty proud. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, but uh, in I remember in Counter-Strike running over, and there was, like, a mouse trap, And I thought it was just part of the... the dec-
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Just like one of those uh, custom maps that took place in like a kitchen.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And I was like, uh, "Oh, what? That they killed me or something?" Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a mouse trap. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's pretty obvious. I like, yeah, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I actually moved in with Marco and his brother um, last year, and one thing that I kind of wanted to do, but did not get enough. There was like, first of all, not enough space and also just like not enough of a a quorum to agree to do it, but like to just like have a sort of housewarming land. But uh, yeah, gaming is one of those things that, you know, as we've gotten older, it's fallen out of uh, favor for a lot of people. Uh, They have more like uh, some people have more sort of career oriented uh, pastimes where they're just going to like, you know, read up and do things that'll uh, maybe, like, advance their career or just, like, instill in them, like, a good base of knowledge. Uh, and then there's guys like me who still just kind of avidly play uh, the same games that they've been playing for the last uh, five or ten years or whatever.
1: You know what, it's though? all I good. Like, I feel like in, like, whatever, 60 years when we're all in, like, retirement homes playing video games, people like you are going to, like, rule. Oh, the, yeah,
0: that, yeah, that's a dream. <laughs> to be in a retirement home, there's like a GameCube that's still functioning somehow. Mm-hmm. And we're all just gathered around playing Melee.
1: Dude, I definitely feel like that's... Are you kidding me? If I'm 80 and they put me in a retirement home, I'll just be like, all right, just just set me up with a dope-ass computer. <laughs> put me on whatever, every version of Total War. And I'll just do that for 10 years. <laughs> Wait for the end while I'm I, still eating these armies in my brain. You
0: know? I want to see like the, the sort of like young entrepreneur retirement home, the people who like got VC money and decided, okay, I don't need to work anymore. Just them all together um, in, in the sort of new age of retirement home.
1: That sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a hell of a lot better than retirement home as they are, which is essentially old people with the pastimes that they had when they were kids, which was watching daylight TV and uh, playing like checkerboards. Like this. <laughs> Yeah, or knitting. Woo, knitting. We're gonna be like, all right, let's. I'm gonna go back into my whole childhood vibes. Okay, get me Xbox, Xbox Two, get me Halo. Halo. Exactly. Get me SSX, SSX Tricky, uh, SSX Three, all the Fifas. I don't care. <laughs> They're all the same, but I want to play with different players. So get me all the Fifas. I feel like it's gonna be heaven, man. Old age, I can't wait.
0: Yeah, let's get it. Where do you think you would like to spend your retirement years?
1: The moon, I think. <laughs> the moon in a crater on the moon. Hell yeah. Back down at Earth and uh, using like a little, one of those big green lasers to just like laser point. <laughs> you know, just mess with them. Uh, so yeah, so either the moon, uh, some underwater base would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen with the way with the way this the, the oceans are rising. Everywhere is going to be an underwater base.
1: That's right. That's right. Who knows? Maybe we'll find some water on the moon, and I can have a, an underwater base on the moon. <laughs> My dream will be the, the
0: Venn diagram. <laughs>
1: yeah. we'll have to fight off some moon bears. <laughs> uh, I think you were the one to introduce like our entire grade to uh, picnic face, right?
0: I definitely feel like I was a driving force for sure. I'm trying to be in the very state, me, but definitely, a, but definitely
1: yeah, uh, close like, association. Coffee,
0: no. I actually saw uh, I think it was like Kyle Dooley of Picnic Face do like a a sketch show in Toronto one time. And then that's that got segued into uh, Hypnosis Improv with Colin Mockery. <laughs> which is just like the wildest thing. That I could have ever thought of, and then also saw in person.
1: And that's one thing at eh? fucking comedy clubs and stuff. That's uh, I, I used to go. Uh, there's a few spots in Paris actually with uh, good comedy stand-up shows. And this summer, I met um, a friend that I made, I made a friend, I guess, who runs one of these uh, stand-up comedian like theaters in Paris. And I was like, oh, so awesome! I'm gonna go to like so much of these so many of these free shows and stuff. And unfortunately, well.
0: Yeah, the, the the touring has uh, been delayed.
1: Yeah, have you? Did you see that Netflix uh, movie or rather uh, series? I think it's like huge in France or something like that. I have not. Like big in France. It's it's got like uh, Jerry Seinfeld and a bunch of American comedians. But the idea is like it's about a French comic who's very famous in France, uh, but is a completely unknown in the US. And so <laughs> he comes to the US and he starts meeting people. And every time he's like, oh, "You know who I am? No, oh, I'm very big in France." Right? <laughs> Justify himself. So it's a decent series. It's a decent series. If you like stand-up, you like Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. I'd say give it a give it a shot.
0: I'll definitely look into it. Uh, Seinfeld actually did a show in Kitchener a few years back. Really? Yeah. It was very much like old man kind of yells at cloud kind of material. Um, It it didn't quite hit for me, but you know, still got some some solid laughs out of it.
1: Scary Seinfeld man. I would just just look at him. All, all, Just
0: stand there and all.
1: All all shucks. <laughs> Man, one thing I miss about Kitchener Waterloo, and I want to go back to like every time I eat wings is uh, wings up. Mm. My Man, mouth solid, is literally solid spot. literally watering up right now and having <laughs> said the words wings up. I'm not kidding saliva uh, in my mouth right now. Oh, my God, that place. It's, a,
0: it's Super Bowl tomorrow, I think. So maybe maybe I'll print an order in your honor. Oh, shit, you're right. It is
1: Super Bowl tomorrow. Oh, man, what <laughs> a Super Bowl party, man. Oh, damn straight. I don't even know who's... Me I neither. I think it's like Tampa Bay and
0: some other team that doesn't have Tom Brady on it that are probably going to lose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was so into it when it was uh, the Patriots when I was in Boston. Like, I was like, oh, oh yeah. Was... That's, you you oh, got to. It's dope, um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> this uh, back in France, it's been a little rough. When I when I came here during law school, I used to follow the Cowboys. Still, I've always been a fan of Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Go! Figure. I just I remember arriving in Canada and somebody's like, "Oh, you like football?" I'm like, uh, "No, I guess." They're like, "Okay, what's your favorite team?" Like, I'm like, "What's the most American football team?" <laughs> uh, I guess the Cowboys. I'm like, "Okay, Cowboys, it is then." <laughs> But I'm glad they got rid of Tony Romo. That guy was awful. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anywho, that's uh, that's my uh, that's my spiel on, on American football. <laughs> 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 I never played not American football, the
0: sport, not the band.
1: Well, I, wa- I watch a lot of soccer here. I don't know if that's um, or if you guys uh, watch. The,
0: the the other kind of football.
1: PSG is playing tomorrow against Marseille, so that's a big, supposed to be a big game. As well. uh, but a Super Bowl, what time is Super Bowl at?
0: I have no clue. I want to say like 3 p.m., but it could just as easily be like 7 p.m. Eastern.
1: Okay. Yeah, because that's one of the bummers about being in Europe. I get I have to miss out on all the sh- all the fun stuff. Like uh, mm-hmm. when the U.S. elections were on, like the you know the results were at like fucking four in the morning. So. Oh yeah. Uh, same thing with all the MMA. Uh, if I want to watch like any MMA fights, I have to stay up till like 4 a.m. It was in Vegas or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm otherwise you have to like dodge spoilers as soon as you wake up
1: yeah exactly yeah yeah i have to stay away from reddit (laughs) Uh, Mm
0: -hmm. so simon if you were to give a ted talk on any particular topic that you find interesting or have like some base of knowledge in uh what would that be
1: Hmm. probably be about genocide (laughs) um i know that sounds a little off uh but uh I, I I wrote, so I did an LLM, which is like a master's of law at, at Boston, and that's what I, I basically focused on, the crime of genocide, uh, which is, uh, I think it's a fascinating topic. Uh, it's like there's a whole bunch of history, of course, but there's also, you know, cultural uh, issues there. There are legal issues, political issues, global issues. Like, it, it seems like it touches so much. Um, and it, it sort of illustrates how international law works and it's because it's supposed to be the crime of crimes
0: right
1: like the international crime the worst international crime so the idea is if somebody is committing it how is the world order reacting to this crime of crimes being committed you know and you see every institution has their own way of dealing with it every politician has their own deal way of dealing with it sometimes not not in a very uh efficient way shall we say uh but i don't know it's it's a i think it's a fascinating topic and uh i think that's that's probably what i would do it on as depressing as uh, that topic is uh, i considered doing a, a phd on it but uh, again i thought okay so i'm going to spend like four years writing this thing and then i'm going to be spending four years studying about massacres and yeah
0: that that might that. have some that might have some impact on the old psyche
1: yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to get a, make sure my apartment is chill first and have a nice living situation. Uh, <laughs> make sure I'm financially comfortable, I have a good social circle, and then we'll think about writing a PhD on genocide. <laughs>
0: wow. Uh,
1: <laughs> but uh, but it is, I think it's a fascinating topic and um anyway, I would talk a lot about I don't know, the Nuremberg trials and how genocide was not in the Nuremberg trials and how no Nazi was ever convicted of Uh, genocides in the Nuremberg tribunals. So like weird, you know, stuff like that, but uh, I, that I personally find fascinating. And
0: and even in the present day, um, like there are several sort of active genocides that are happening internationally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of my, I guess, one of my points I would make is that the issue, one of the big issues with genocide is that because the general, the definition is so, uh, blurry, shall we say uh, It is it, it kind of reduces the amount of Impact that the the Crime, calling it out as a crime Can have, uh, by that I mean that if you start Calling everything the genocide uh, Then, of course, you know It loses a bit of its gravitas <laughs> Or whatever um, And, of, of course, I'm not saying that the Ongoing genocides are not genocides But I'm saying the issue uh, is that The definition of genocide needs to be of narrowed it needs to be narrowed if you want to actually make it have any purpose because as it stands it's too it, it reaches too wide uh, and we're starting to talk about like different you know cultural genocides and i'm not saying that those aren't bad things uh, but there is a difference between you know uh, n- removing churches or something like that in your in your country and removing people which is bad uh, but you know compare that to systematically eliminating all of the men of a certain age in a particular ethnicity of a province so that they could never reproduce ever again mm-hmm. and raping all the women systematically so that their children are technically of your religion. See, if you do that, like that for me, should be, okay, here, tick, tick, tick genocide, let's move it. Uh, but if you talk about, if you start saying everything is a genocide, then it loses that power. So it's a, I don't know, it's like the, the opposite of a uh, Voldemort's, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> say it to make it mean power so don't don't say it all the time to try and contest it all right it, so that's my answer i would give a talk on genocide
0: in the viewpoint of like international law how does what do you view as like the course of action for uh for lack of a better term punish um th- those who commit acts of genocide
1: uh so the ish i guess the issue with that is genocide is committed by sometimes people who have been either misled or have been forced into that situation right this was the mm-hmm. notably the case in rwanda where uh, you would have uh, certain people be like hey uh, don't kill me i'm a hutu and they're like oh you're a hutu okay well then come with us and kill this tutsi right in front of us right and if you don't do that we'll kill all of your family mm-hmm. okay well does does the person who kills in order to save his family is that considered one of the actors of the genocide how far do you need to go back to talk about different commanders um So it's, it's tough to say. Um, It's true that the, the issue that we have is not so much actually uh, with regards to repression. Uh, We are very good at uh, once the whole conflict has sizzled down and it's like 15 years later, and these guys have been in jail for all that time. We bring them out and there are these old guys with handcuffs and we say, you have committed genocide and you are bad. Okay. We're putting you in jail or back in the day, we're killing you. Right. We're (laughs) putting you to death. Um, but the issue, so that's, I wouldn't say that's so much of an issue, because in any case, we're just either going to put them in jail or uh, in certain cases, firing squad or that sort of thing. But if you committed a genocide, I'm not going to be the one to get in between 10 people with guns and, and you. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just my, my personal take on it. Uh, if there's been a trial and everything, of course. Um, of course. But uh, I think the bigger issue, and this is the one that if you look at the convention, it's the convention on the uh, prevention and repression of genocide. And the issue is we've never been able to prevent a genocide because of how complicated the definition is. Every time, even like in Rwanda, Clinton and uh, Madeleine Albright, when they looked at the situation, uh, they their excuse was, well, we're not sure if it really counts as a genocide. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be categorized as such. We're not hundred percent. No, we're not going to go in. Okay. And the uh, Clinton and Albright both say that's the biggest regret of uh, the presidency and the administration, et cetera. And it's what justified their intervention into Serbia later on. Um, but it is one of the big issues: is that you know we have so much trouble getting somebody to just point it out with a finger and say, "This is genocide. It's going on." Okay, now international law uh, do you Intervie-
0: do something
1: right let's go to the security council tell people let's move in if the security council vetoes it let's go to the general assembly let's get everybody to move into it uh, and so actually that was the um that was sort of the point of uh, one of the points of the the, the sort of the, uh, not a thesis but like the the, the article that i wrote for uh, my memoir uh, was about the idea of having sort of like this independent commission at the un level or or maybe even independent uh, and its only job is to study different uh, accusations of genocide or alleged uh, genocide and essentially categorize them and to be quite strict about it and not to say, yeah, that's a genocide. Oh yeah. That's a, be quite strict about it. Even if it's a terrible situation, but it doesn't fall within the definition, then deal with it as some other situation, but don't deal with it. So that was sort of the idea. And to narrow it, I even had like the idea of like a, I include the idea of like a geographical limit to it there is no geographical limit on genocide as it stands so it's kind of this thing like okay well if you have five guys commit a few attacks around the world against a certain religious minority like in chicago in portugal and whatever like terrorist attacks mm-hmm. really considered genocides no you know come on they're all the way around the world this is not like trying to exterminate a population from an area right mm-hmm. so uh, anyway so i'm not gonna get too much into the weeds about this stuff but uh it is it is, a, I think, a fascinating uh, aspect about international law. It's a very old one. Uh, we talk about Rome and stuff. But there's the, the very famous, or so-called famous, uh, Melian uh, Dialogue, which is when the Greeks were at war with Sparta and the Greeks were supposed to be these kind of democratic, just people, you know, um, and they kind of said to all the islands, okay, we're going to war with Sparta. And one of the islands said, well, actually, we want to exercise our right of neutrality. And the Athenians famously said, uh, "You know, right? Like when it comes to justice, uh, can only be occurred, can only be obtained when both parties are even in strength. Otherwise, the strong do what they will, and the weak suffer what they must." Uh, and that sort of sets the entire basis for international law. And at that moment, so. The Athenians, instead of letting the Melians have their neutrality, invaded the island, killed every man above the age of puberty, uh, took all the women into slavery, kept all of the children, and essentially repopulated the island with Athenians. So maybe the first uh, described uh, genocide is this one, is the Melian dialogue. uh, And it sort of sets the stage for all of international law. Like if you've got Barbados versus the U.S., Barbados can be like, oh, U.S. is screwing with our trade. We're going to embargo the U.S. We're not going to take in any U.S. products. Yeah. And I it's just like,
0: like, okay, bro. Yeah, what are you, sure. yeah. Whatever, whatever you say, man. Just laugh.
1: Who tickled me? Um, anyway, so yeah, so it's, it's, I think it's a good indication of real politic uh, situations in the world. That's my That's spiel. It. What about you, man? What if you could give a TED Talk Ooh. on anything?
0: Hmm. I feel I feel like this may be the first time someone has flipped this around back at me. Oh. Uh probably something to do with like um just like team building and strangers over or through the medium of World of Warcraft. Hmm. Because like, you know, even back in Karen, uh that was something that I spent most of my most of my evenings doing.
1: I remember that you used to like mine like coins and make characters and like sell them and stuff if I'm not yeah mistaken. more or less. Um <laughs> so I'm just guessing it's yeah. something along those lines.
0: Um but like a few years back I decided to like organize my own team rather than be the a cog in someone else's. Um and through that I've like established many, many friendships with people mostly from America, but a few people from like brazil and like the uk and stuff um and especially through like COVID, it's been a real blessing to just like have this uh like team effort to work at something that is you know there's no real there's no real world world impact to, to the things that we're doing in terms of like whether or not we we succeed but uh the sort of camaraderie that you know one might feel uh like growing up through high school and like the sort of shared experience um it's just like a a fantastic way to to connect with other people and you like like put aside your differences or whatever because you're all just like working towards the same goal as like a sort of microcosm of any real world effort um yeah
1: that's cool man it's like uh i don't want to say like metaphysical friendship building but uh almost something like that. Like you're in this other world, right? Like world of Warcraft is this whole other universe, which I've only seen from a, from a distance, but it it seems like you can go and do a lot of stuff, right. Um, Including meet a bunch of people and become friends with them. And you're all in this reality together. So it's, I, 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 I kind of envy the idea of having that's that kind of a space, a space to operate in, Again, I feel like it's the, it's the future is coming, and it's going to look something like that. <laughs> so, if you can help people make friends with others on these kind of platforms, and that is the future, then I would definitely say, well, go make your own job, man. Be a uh, a friend. Uh, I don't know. Make your own title. <laughs> then I would have made it
0: up. I'll, I'll be like the I'll be like the 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 friends version of Bumble. Mm. Through, through, through gaming.
1: <laughs> yeah. There could be something there. Like you just go and you have your character from world of Warcraft and you can just yeah. swipe left, swipe right for friendliness. Yeah. <laughs> a good friend. But
0: yeah, like, um, cause like the one thing that I noticed in like my long history playing the game is that like, you know, for the most part, people aren't going to be the number one. Like like the number one guilds have people that are dedicated enough and like have basically playing the game as their job to to be to allow them to to be you know the first in the world to do this or that. Um, so like anything below like the top ten in the world, the game exists as a social experience. Like sure you 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 want to be aligned in your goals in terms of like uh, your your sort of boss killing performance, but um. You know, what, when recruiting new people, uh, the aptitude is feels like so much more secondary than in, than what other, uh, like what most guilds assess it, uh, rather than just like picking people for like their their fit within the culture of the guild. Um, and like the the way that I recruit people is just like through informal conversation and just like getting a vibe check, essentially. Um, about whether or not they will mesh well with the team.
1: That's cool, man. That's like, wow, I mean, it's straight up life skills right there. Oh, yeah.
0: I, there was a time, uh, like maybe a year or two back, where I was just like, I want to take on an HR, like hiring position and just like see if I can apply that sort of methodology into recruiting people for a, just like, even just like an entry level job where, you know, most of the things that you need to know, you will learn by doing the job. Like, you don't come into it with a lot of the knowledge because, like, you, you just kind of have to get trained on it no matter what. Um, so, like, the whole like resumes and stuff is just like, well, most of this doesn't necessarily apply. Like, you could see like certain characteristics that may lend themselves to, like, okay, the, like they're going to do it on the job, but like approaching, interviewing, for an office job as just a a vibe check
1: i feel like that's uh, i i I think that the problem with hr today a lot of the time is that they're already either they're like jerks right like when they hire i mean Mm -hmm. and that's usually in like big law firms or something like that they're just they try to be a dick to you and see what you do basically or they're just like we are a family and welcome to (laughs) family are you ready to be my son not sure ma'am uh, give me a couple of weeks to think about um but uh, the the problem is that in either case they don't make you feel comfortable enough to act years you know it, act the that you actually are
0: it, like you 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 have to put on like a facade of sorts to like right. appear employable rather than just like this is who i am this is what i do it's probably employable but yeah you, you have to you have to do the dance, as it were, to to yeah. sort of land the
1: job. That's the, that's exactly it. You have to dance to dance. You have to. Uh, it's it's. I, I I once went to like a, a job interview. I think the worst job interview that I ever went to, not because it was like it went, I don't know, something caught on fire or something, but just because I showed up and uh, I sit down and I, I more or less knew people who knew this person that was hiring me, and she just sat there. She just didn't say a word, sat there and just looked at me and just, <laughs> just,
0: just serving people, serving up interviewees with a good hard stare.
1: Yeah. Just, just, just sat there just looking at me like, okay, impress me. Like, give me something. Right. But not even like taking a second, to say hi, but hi, how are you doing? When did you find the place? Okay. Just like opens the door, goes, sits down, stares right at you. Jesus Christ okay well hello my name is simon da, 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 da. you gotta do the whole little i'm a dancing monkey you know Please give me some peanuts so i'm uh not a big fan not a big yeah. fan of of hr but dude if you could bring out bring out some kind of uh some kind of way to do a vibe check as you put it i feel like that would be I would much rather have an interview where it's just like, all right, let's talk. Let's see if we can get along see how friendly we are with one another. We'll do the rest later. I feel like that would be a lot more interesting uh, and would definitely put candidates at ease rather than this whole stressful
0: experience. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, So Simon, one question that I like to ask all of my guests is if you were to host your own version of this show where you catch up with someone from your life, I don't need to know who they are. that you haven't spoken to in a while uh who would you like to have up
1: do you have to know this person as well No, not at all no okay but it's more interesting if 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 you do know yes
0: if it is someone i do know it 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 does help me think of future guests but that's that's hardly an issue
1: okay um well seeing as i mentioned him i think it'd be cool to to talk to sam a bit and see where he's at uh good old uh yeah, I think that's that's probably the direction that I would take. Uh, I know he's in the Netherlands. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he'd be he'd be a fun person to talk about. He's always got some. He's always up to some shenanigans. <laughs> and uh, Always has a funny thing to say or two. He's, he's quite a wit, uh, quite a witty person, so I enjoy. It's, I enjoy it's it.
0: right there in the name, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, but uh, you know, and he's always in this. Is, well, it's Samuel Whiplad. You know, he shows up like uh, he's very looks very straight edge but then listens to like you know viking metal yeah all this death metal stuff and uh i don't know it's whiplash so yeah i, I would definitely that's that would be my answer i would say uh, i haven't talked to him in like ooh, a little while now i don't exactly remember when the last time i saw him it was last year or sometime i'm <laughs> not sure before the summer before lockdown i think
0: gotcha uh, i don't know if you will appreciate me saying this on the recording but I'm gonna do it anyways because I feel like it. Uh, I, I did reach out to Sam to like appear on the show a little while back uh, he was unsure about whether or not he would have anything to contribute but you know that's my job I'm here to pull up threads like I mentioned earlier uh, but he said that he will not appear until he gets a haircut so we're gonna we're gonna wait for lockdown we're gonna wait for those those locks to to come clean. And then uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have Sam on sometime in the near future.
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah. And be nice to see what he has to say these days. Uh, I need to get a haircut myself. Last time I got a haircut, though, I went to a men's hairdresser. Never get a haircut at a men's hairdresser if you have long hair, because he literally did like this. Okay, <laughs> it was like I'm like this long, this much longer on the left side as on the right side, and I just walked back in like, "Are you?" <laughs> Like he massacred my hair, man. And I had to wait for like two months for it to grow back. So it has grown back, but now it's just complete. It's a mess. It's
0: oh yeah. Totally- M- many of us, many of us are overdue at this point. I don't, I don't want to turn my head to like show off what's at the back, but it's not, it's not pretty right now.
1: I'll go one of those beautiful rat tails kind of yeah. tickle the back of your neck Dude, there.
0: My, my younger cousin has a rat tail. And every time I see him, I'm just like, man, I'm so disappointed my aunt and uncle for allowing this to happen. It doesn't, it doesn't look bad, but also, it doesn't... I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah, like, there was that one thing where, like, after Star Wars Episode One came out, where some, like, youngster's whole Anakin... Or not Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi haircut style, you know? Mm-hmm. Or the Padawan style, they have this, like, one braid. Uh, but uh, that that I could understand in a certain way. It's got a certain cool sci fi vibe to it. But the rat tail really... <laughs> Like, the mullet, I can understand. Again, it's got this whole, like, you know, blue collar, like, uh, drive my pickup truck and, you know, that kind of vibe to it. And that's your vibe. Go ahead. Go, you know, there's a business in the front, party, party in the, the back. Yeah. That I can understand. But again, a rat? <laughs> really? Is that what you want to resent? Even as a child, you're 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 imitating a rat. You know, the thing your mother is scared of and screams at uh, from behind the <laughs> garbage. Like I don't, get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Kids are stupid. <laughs> Probably. Kids Probably. are stupid. Kids are morons.
0: I th- I think I think that's the I think that's the sentiment we're gonna we're gonna close out the episode on. All right. Um, yeah. Now, now, Simon, I'd like to give my guests a moment at the end to sort of plug or promote anything that they're either working on or believe deserves more attention. Uh, so you have the floor to to plug anything.
1: Something that deserves more attention uh dude you gotta you gotta give me a give me a, this one
0: that's perfectly fine um i trim out the silence afterwards so so take all the time that you need
1: okay damn good question what would i plug you know, I'm not. i'm gonna plug i'm gonna go uh, go plug france on this one and i'm gonna say you know uh people should come and check your about when this whole thing dies down i think uh you know France needs it, and people need France. <laughs> uh, the tourism industry here uh, is like one of the most important industries in the country, and i've even just traveling this summer uh, I got to meet some people who you know are just adorable uh just doing everything they can to serve these meals like the best meals they possibly can and uh, I can you know I really want these people to to survive to keep the ancestral culture going so uh anybody who comes to paris will have to you know knock on my door and we'll go for drinks and go for a nice meal uh if you're from chci i'm usually pretty cool with uh having guests over i have a i have a guest room here um so yeah come to paris when this is over that's the the general uh general call we should have a a chci reunion in europe i'm sure there's a bunch of the chci crew is in europe now and it would give uh, the other half the reason to uh, go for a bit of a a gander so that's my plug
0: hell yeah let's make it happen (laughs) Uh, Yeah, simon thank you so much for coming on the show and spending your evening with me i know it's getting late-ish where you are
1: yeah well i I was the only thing I needed was uh maybe go open another beer so that's that's the rest of my plans for this evening but uh, it's been great talking to you again. I think this is a really cool uh, thing to be going and doing and uh, it's been uh, it's been lovely watching a few of the old uh, the old friends uh, from high school uh, chat about their last 10 years because uh, you always think about them you know they're always in the back of your mind so it's cool to see see them in front of you for once
0: indeed it is uh and so yeah so listeners wherever you are wherever you are whenever you are uh thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time